How exactly do we define robbery characters, and why do they frustrate us so much? We try to tackle this surprisingly obscure topic from a few different angles. Plus, Ono drops a conspicuous tweet that has us thinking about system crossplay potential for Capcom's fighting game future, Mortal Kombat 11 is changing thanks to some newly discovered option selects, and we hit the mailbag all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Kettles Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Here as always, ready to ready to rock and roll. All right, we're actually going to get right into this and just flat out call half of our listeners and audience and readers of the website a jerk because they play <laughs> X character. And we're talking about robbery characters right now in fighting games. Uh, we put up a poll on the website. Um, we didn't say you're a jerk if you play this character, but that's definitely what we mean. If you if you play this character, everyone hates you. We're pissed off at you. And that's how it is. So, yeah. yeah. You know who you are. You know what you do. <laughs> you see the things that you... Okay, so I play a lot of, uh, of uh, local matches with my friend Tyler who plays Akuma. And there are a handful of times in every setting where something will happen goofy that turns out in his favor and we'll both just look at each other i'll be smiling and he'll be smiling and my eyes will say without saying anything with my mouth you just got lucky beyond all belief and he goes yeah i know he 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 yeah you guys take your wins but they don't come for all for free and they're not as free as you'd think they are yeah there's a price to pay you may have won but you you lost in some ways. That's the option select that we're playing here today because, you know, we may or may not play some robbery characters ourselves. I don't know. I can neither confirm nor deny that, right? But there are some characters higher up on the poll results that we did that we're just definitely taking issue with because our our wrongs, our robbery is not as big of a deal as your robbery. And there it is. So anyway, um, so a little tongue in cheek here, as, you, as, as our listeners should probably be uh, clued into by now. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously here on Event Hubs. We generally have a lot of fun with fighting games and uh, each other in terms of like just giving each other crap about characters we play, deci- decisions that we have made, uh, moves we may or may not be using or spamming over and over again, right? Uh, but regardless, these That's are why the we didn't robbery. invite Steven. If we invited Steven onto this episode, all we do is pick fun at him the entire time. Uh, we never get anything actually done. Yes, that's definitely. Do, do we actually get anything done anyway? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure, but anyway. No, but don't tell my bosses. Yeah, there it is. So, uh, so quickly to recap how our poll shaped out, we had in order uh, G, Urian, M. Bison, Akuma, Abuki, Balrog, Abigail, Laura, Nikali, and then finally... Colleen. And that was our top 10. And you can look at the poll up on our website. I think right now it's still open, but I know we're closing it like very, very soon. So probably by the time you listen to this, it's going to be closed. You had your chance, you know, Hmm. can't vote anymore. Um, And I will actually remind everyone listening to the podcast right now that John plays Nikali and Steven plays G. And that is what I have to deal with every single day. Like whenever whenever I play these guys, I have to deal with their top 10 robbery characters. And uh, just if you do look at the poll on the website, like don't look at number 13 on the list because she's an angel and has definitely never robbed anyone ever. She's too cute to have committed any kind of heinous act at all, ever. Just never happened. <laughs> Manat does feel like she's fallen off of the robbery radar. and Well, because she's fallen off of the radar in general, when are we seeing Manat's anymore? You know, compared to last season, and, and she absolutely was a robbery. Like, that V-trigger would decide the outcome of rounds yeah. almost regardless of how much life uh, on, on both sides of the, you know, the, the timer there were left. But we've we haven't seen her as much and that v trigger was directly attacked or nerfed when the uh, season 4 balance changes came out 
making it just harder to get to. There's, oh man, there's there's actually a lot to talk about with this. I know it's something that we brought up before on the website. It's something that's kind of been the new, well, not new anymore by any means, but like the the problem that came in after we were done with anti-air jabs and we were done with uh, throw loops and the input lag, of course, and such. Like this is sort of the, the other big issue with the game if we're going to continue to refine it. But there are so many different ways to tackle this concept and trying to define exactly what we're talking about because some of the, the characters that made it higher up the list, I think are more there because they're perceived as strong characters, but it's not specifically their V triggers that, and then that's the specific focus of what we're analyzing here, but it's not specifically their V triggers that are, um, that are really the problem. Uh, and, and you can make arguments back and forth. I know Nick would fight hardcore to say Ibuki's V trigger two is not a robbery V trigger. Although I will say it pretty much used to be, but again, she's one of those like not that things are nerfed. So anyways, I, I won't get too far down all of these different rabbit holes. I'm just going to let us go down whichever one or two that we're going to go down, but there's a lot to unpack here, man. Yeah, actually super well said uh, a bunch of points that we're going to definitely follow up on. Uh, I do want to go back to Manat here really quickly and just mention like her major change. Um, there was not much in the way of nerfs for her. Uh, I remember playing uh, Chris Tatarian actually, uh, we were playing online and he was playing Mika uh, and I went back and looked at the replay and, uh, I coincidentally may have kicked his ass or not. I don't know. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it did. I don't know. <laughs> it happened. But uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, he he mentioned like after the match, he's like, is this character nerfed? Like, did they nerf Manat at all? And it's like, yeah, they did. Uh, like, again, her V-Trigger 1 is the main thing that got nerfed. I use V-Trigger 2, so he didn't really see that. Uh, most people are not used to V-Trigger 2. But uh, my point there is she got nerfed in other ways, but the main thing that took her from being a maybe top five robbery character in season three was the adding the one bar extra of V-Trigger activation. That is a gigantic change for most characters if they go from two to three bars. Uh, and, and I want to kind of set the stage with that, that there's a lot of ways to approach how you can handle this stuff. Um, and some of it, like one of the things that we're actually going to get into is uh, scaling. Um, and I'll go and jump right into that right now and say that uh, you mentioned anti-air jabs and a few other things like used to be a gigantic problem uh, in season one of the game. And uh, V-Triggers actually initially used to scale at one additional hit in Street Fighter V. So, it was so much worse. Oh my gosh. So for example, uh, if you hit someone, uh, like you know, a stand heavy punch, whatever, and then activated V-Trigger, your next attack, if that comboed, it would scale, um, instead of scaling at 90% like it normally would if you did not activate V-Trigger, uh, in season one, it would scale at 80%. So there was one hit additional of scaling uh, initially in Street Fighter V. So that lasted all the way up till Arcade Edition, and that kicked off with Season 3. Um, and then, then uh, Capcom actually doubled that effect. So again, using that same example, you would now have two hits of scaling. Uh, so uh, combos would scale to generally about 70% on the next hit. Right. They also scaled crush counters too, right? Like I so, if your combo led yeah. in the crush counter or started rather with a crush counter, um, that would add extra scaling. So a crush counter combo and then into V trigger cancel was it's it's way worse, but it used to be like minimal scaling. <laughs> yeah, and so you guys can you guys can envision that in your head, like like V triggers don't even scale that much. Like if you ask me right now, uh, you're still seeing Monat like do her you know crazy V trigger one combos and kill you like all the time from a hit confirm. Like she gets one standing medium punch, hit confirms into it, like not, not even hit confirm. She just activates, right? <laughs> because she's plus 7,000 if she hits or if it's blocked. So she's either getting a mix up or she's getting whatever. Um, there it is. So uh, 
John and I have both actually proposed knocking scaling down either an additional increment, which would actually knock, knock it down to about 60% on the next hit after V-Trigger, or you and I have actually both talked about even going a step further and knocking it down to 50% on the next hit. Uh, that's how much V-Triggers would scale. Uh, like That would be yeah. significant, and we're a little bit worried about it, um, like saying that some characters might get hit too hard with this. But both you and I are kind of okay with it, right? I don't want to put too many words in your mouth. Like, well, I yeah. wouldn't be. I, I think with this, because V triggers as a mechanic, it is universal in one sense, but certainly it varies from character to character, right? And compared to Street Fighter Four, fo- everyone had the same f- idea of focus attack. It had some variation because everyone had different ranges and and such. Uh, Fei Long was a was a piece of garbage i hated that character for focus attack uh and but then like if you go to third strike right everybody has their parry and it all works the same way that's like i would say more truly universal um street fighter 5 is kind of on the other end of that and everybody has a different experience with their with their v triggers they do different things and so you have to kind of it to manipulate all of them the exact same way at once probably doesn't help you all that much i think it would be okay to say so and so's v trigger you know because of what it is because of what it does you could scale it more anyways i I do think that it would be okay for you know if if uh, vega activates in a combo it wouldn't be quite as um scaled as if urian activates in a combo or something along those lines i don't think that would be it would take more work and you'd have to apply it to every individual character and kind of measure them uh, like that, but I think that's what you would want to do in this case. Yeah, I'll I'll back up and say that Capcom's history is generally not adding specific scaling and universal mechanics to some characters. Like it has happened. I mean, we have seen that. Like you know, for example, some characters throws do more damage than others, right? And some mm-hmm. leave you at you know different ranges. That and throws are a universal mechanic in this game. Some you know characters had great focus attacks in Street Fighter Four. Some did not. Um, so there are there definitely some aspects of that but when it comes to scaling and damage and all that capcom has usually been as far as i know very consistent with that system where, where everyone kind of operates under that same rule so i think that i think the um i think we can disagree on that subject but also end up in the exact same place in terms of what we're saying because uh all you do at that point then is you individually change like you know hey vega's got these other buffs now to make up for the fact that his uh v trigger is now even worse right i was gonna say it sucks but i'm like it already sucks like that's that's yeah. a given uh so now it's right. even worse so like this is what we give him to make up for that right and, and that's usually i think where capcom's history has been uh with these type of universal mechanic changes but there are exceptions to it it's been very difficult for me like i was saying to hammer down exactly the a, a definition for robbery v trigger right what i've been going off of is uh, and i don't think it actually started with three characters in season two i think you could argue about like you know hey armika's v trigger in uh, in season one was <laughs> pretty damn robbery right uh, but it kind of the the term sort of came out of like balrog laura and urian back in season two because shortly after the uh the season update playing online and you realize wow the this whole round against any of these three characters you know all of this stuff happened there were all these decisions made and whatnot and then v trigger happened and i died in that v trigger sequence in that process and those three could not only do that to you some other characters can also just murder you with their v trigger but these three were were 
was particularly infamous for putting you in these 50-50 reset situations that were either going to stun you and, and let, let them kill you or just melt your life bar and it didn't even matter about the stun. Uh, but it was all just coming from like quick little resets with these V-triggers and the entire round became about them. And the idea was that that became the deciding factor of everything. Everything that happened yeah. before V-trigger was thrown out. And so if you were winning, which you probably were because of one of the, sometimes some characters can't even really build V-trigger using their V-skills because they're just not very efficient. But hitting a character builds V-meter. So it'd be towards the end of the round, you know, you've taken off two thirds of their life. Then they have this V-trigger and, and despite getting their butts kicked for that long, they pop it and it was very easy to get into and plus, and we've talked about that before. And then they just go through these kind of brainless 50-50s and if they worked, it was over. Um, so my inclination has been to identify robbery triggers kind of as such. Uh, we've talked a lot about G who does a similar kind of thing and he has this fairly easy way into these situations to begin with. But here's the thing. Akuma is a character that doesn't quite have it in the same way. And Ibuki is a character that doesn't quite have it like... And they have very, very good V-triggers. But I'm like, but do these fall into the robbery category? Uh, because those are two characters that also made it into the top five on our list. And I think that they they come up quite frequently. I think they're also top five characters. Um, Rashid made it all the way up to number 12. And I used his V-trigger as an example of like, and I don't think this is an example of um, of a robbery V-trigger, at least in his V-trigger one. I haven't explored his V-trigger two enough, but I haven't felt like, you know, Rashid using this trigger against me has ever been led to a robbery scenario um, because it has a very specific purpose and it's usually just to augment what he's doing, not to just take over the whole round and melt you. So I, I get here and I'm like, well, it's kind of difficult to to identify them by by this code. And also you get into the territory of, of what you have said, at least to, to me in, in private chat and such, and that you feel like Technically, all grapplers fall into the uh, robbery category just by their very nature of of like 50-50 yeah. Oki situations and such. Yeah, and I love it that like like Zangief isn't even considered a robbery character, but that's all he does. He gets one, he gets in on you one or two times, and you're dead. Uh, you're lucky if you escape that kind of vortex from him, and that's the definition of robbery. You don't get to play, and you've got to take a horrible guess that is not in your favor. Fifty-fifty uh, is putting it kindly. And, and he's murdering you, right? And that's that's what Zangief is like. And you know you have to keep that guy out, or, or like rush him down, or do something like Street Fighter Five. You rush him down, right? It's weird to do yeah. Zangief, but that's what you do, right? Um, anyway, uh, people are okay with it because that is the established norm with that character. You expect it from Zangief, uh, and I guess people don't feel like that's robbery. It's like they lost and. I look at all the grapplers and I go, well, that's every gr like true grappler in this game. Uh, I don't consider Birdie a true grappler like he's a brawler or whatever type, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I do consider Laura one. I do consider Mika one. And I, I do consider Abigail more of a grappler than he is. Like, they label him like a brawler grappler, but he's freaking 90, 90 feet tall and like 500 pounds. Like that's a grappler, right? Like he's right. he's running at you to grab you, right? Um so I, I guess I don't understand for myself. Like to me, it's like saying, hey, Ryu zones too much. He spams. He throws too many fireballs, you know, and like I have a problem with that. It's like, it's Ryu. Like that's what he does. But it, apparently Capcom actually had a problem with that because that's how we got Street Fighter V Ryu. They're like, he can't <laughs> throw fireballs no more. But anyway, again, that, to me, that's what, it, what it's like, though. 
Yeah. And so I think from that point of view, it is fair to put Zangief and Laura in the same category here in that they both sort of function in the same way. And what we've identified so far as a robbery um, sort of scenario or sequence where it's like 50 50s into themselves, basically like a vortex that does quite a bit of damage. Um, they, they, I mean, both characters do that. And Zangief does that outside of V-Trigger, right? If he gets a heavy SPD or an EX SPD, you're in the blender and oh, you yeah. have to guess. And and But here's the thing. Zangief, uh, although those do a lot of damage, it seems as though there's a certain sense of... Well, let me back up a little bit. I think that Zangief is not a robbery character here in 5. And I think that Laura absolutely is. I put Laura in one of my top three or, or five of the robbery characters. I'm not saying she's a good character, uh, but I, her V-trigger is very strong. And when she activates it, it becomes, for what I understand, is robbery. Robbery. Here's the difference. Um, Zangief has to get you. First of all, he's got to earn his in. Um, he's got to get close to you, and we all know that that's the Zangief struggle. And it's always very tense playing Zangief players because it's this big looming mountain marching towards you and you trying to keep them at bay either with fireballs or poking and whatnot. And and it's usually easy to hit Zangief a lot of times, but he gets in that one time and there's his chance. Okay, so yeah, that's starting to sound pretty robbery because he gets in one time and it doesn't matter what happened beforehand. Hey, that's exactly what we were just talking about before. But... The thing is, he's got to hit you like three or four times once he gets in, depending on, you know, where where life bars are at. And and if he doesn't, he's right back to that. And the the risk and the reward always comes back to this. Mm-hmm. It seems to be pretty appropriate. In fact, so, so much so that we put Zangief as a mid to low tier character. He's been low tier and maybe he's risen up a little bit in recent times, but like he's not a great character in this. We don't go, oh man, Zangief, one of those guys you got to really watch out for. Um, and we don't necessarily talk about Laura that way anymore either, but her V-Trigger, I think you 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 could say that about her. She's a, one of the better V-Trigger characters. And when when Laura does it, though, she's putting you in these situations where, one, it's it's like a lot of them aren't even 50-50s. If you watch Idom, oh, yeah, he'll, it's not, you know, yeah, it's every, if you yeah. jump, he gets you. If you block, he gets you. It's like sometimes it's like you have to DP at the right moment in order to it's like some crazy stuff that happens with her real quick just to jump in when we say 50 50 and this is a something of a guilty fact for our entire community we'll say oh yeah it's a 50 50 scenario and really the advantage is oftentimes with the attacker or whoever put you in that 50 50 it's a 50 50 chance i guess of you guessing to get out of it but the odds of you dying are more like 80 20 you know, like it, it's you're really in a bad spot. And that's Laura oh, sure. to a T and most grapplers to a T. Zangief, when he gets close to you, it's not a 50-50 on, on you know, if he has a, a chance of success there. It's it's a 50-50 on if you guess right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Laura, it's, it's more of like if she tags you uh, and she gets, it's usually a hit and then a reset. And they are coming at you from all these different angles with the damage output and the stun output. Usually two touches will get you either to death or stun. And then from there, she can put you right into another one or it's enough to kill you from there. And in that situation, it's just like there was a lot more uh, opportunity to escape, to stop and escape Zangief than there was Laura. And and also she she accesses the super powered up mode from, again, getting hit and um I, I so i point at those things and say well they they look the same on paper but the emotional and in uh reaction the sense of frustration the sense of injustice versus justice i think falls 
uh, um, not in the same way when you look at both of these characters. I think you feel more of a sense of justice that like a Zangief earns his way into this position. And, um, and while part Laura that, doesn't. Part of that is legacy vote, right? Like we know this for sure. We've been playing against Zangief for years. And if you bitch about Zangief, you're a loser, right? Like you're like, Zangief has been in fighting games for, you know, 30 years or whatever and stuff like deal with them. Like if you don't know how to deal with them by now, Laura's a brand new character. And there is a there's very much a thing of of what's cheap and what's not. And, and you know, Zangief has been around for so long. His play style is not cheap. There's no way it can be cheap because we've proven how to beat him. Right. But Laura, she's brand new and we don't know how to counter it. So there it is. Right. And I'm not saying that's the, the whole thing. I, I, I do agree with you. That I, it could be a factor it, for sure. I think it's a factor. And I think there's multiple factors here. I also think it's very important how good your grappler character is in the history of even just Capcom fighting games. Um, you could open it up to other ones. But grapplers are typically not better than mid tier in these games because most developers understand that when you make a grappler high tier, that character is going to run rob you and make you feel cheated up and down you look mm -hmm. at season three abigail and you you see the nightmares that that character put so many people through uh and how upsetting it was and then you look at season one mika and you go oh yeah that was a character that really pissed people off mika's maybe like a top 15 character now it's hard to argue that's mid-tier that's still pretty good but at least i mean again it, when that character was top tier or close to it she was really pissing people off and uh, something that if you're not as familiar with street fighter 5 and you're more familiar with street fighter 4 i'll remind people of abel abel was a top tier character in super street fighter 4 uh his uh, uh breathless uh ultra was called brainless right because mm -hmm. of like how good it was and just oh man i remember the videos of, of ugh. but some characters couldn't escape it unless they were in very specific situations yes silly and, and he was a top tier character and just robbing people up and down you generally do not want to have grappler characters as top tier uh because you end up with the loras in season three that make everyone feel cheated because that's what a grappler does he che they, they cheat you i should say he like uh, you know all, all pronouns right here's here's my thing though okay. here's my thing and this is exactly where uh the, the, here's the juncture where i think things change yes you can view it that way but you also have to weigh it up against how difficult uh, it was for yeah. the grappler or any character to get the success. What do you think? A how much does a fully charged tap from Balrog do? They call it final tap, right? Because it like melts. Your, it's like three damage? fourths of your life bar. Yeah, I think it's more than it's like it's a huge thing. It'll take off like more than your life bar if you hold for like sixty seconds oh, or something like okay. that. Okay, yeah, like the sixty. Right? Oh my goodness. So, yeah. so okay, okay. But, so here's the thing: if I came to you and I said, "There's Balrog." Oh, by the way, Balrog has a move that takes off three fourths of your life if it hits you, and you go, "Does anyone else have that?" And you, and you no, no, no one else has it. But Balrog has it. And you go, well, that's totally broken. And then I go, well, okay. But in order to access this move, he's got to hold, he's got to get rid of one of his buttons because he's got to hold it down. And then he's also got to play the game for 60 seconds while holding that button down. And then when he releases it, it's this like turnaround punch move. And if it hits you, it does the damage. But if not, then he loses it. And that was all, all lost. And... And you go, well, that sounds a little more like it's worth it because he gives up so much. And guess what? Tap is, it's not used in high level competition like that. Final tap, I should say, is not used in high level competition almost ever. It's used when people want to goof around, but it's not even viewed as a, as a, a viable strategy to, to do because the payoff is not worth the, the efforts and the buildup and what it costs to get for Balrog to get that success. So even though it's a really good thing, you have to look at it in the context of how much does it cost? And that's where I think we have to go with Robbery Vitra 
triggers. I think that you still need the pizzazz and the comeback factor even in Street Fighter V because it's an esports game. You want it to be fun for noobs and you want it to be cool to watch and all that stuff. Okay, so that has to be there somewhere. And V triggers are really what one of the big ways they achieve that. Oh, but I want to add an extra in there and just say you also need varied play styles. Or why not just have Ryu matches all up and down? You need sure. to try different things. But yes, continue. You need the fireworks. And V-Triggers bring the fireworks in some pretty significant ways. All right, great. And they're part of the game's identity. So, but you need to, like, like the if you're trying to fix this, if you're trying to balance this or swing the pendulum back, in the, you know where it needs to be then i think it's just a matter of saying what is the character getting off of this what is that what are they getting in the in the initial cancel what are they getting as far as like corner carry damage stun whatever and how many times they get to do it and you make it that hard to get there and if it's like, well, it's going to be ridiculous and it's going to be so hard to get there because it's so powerful that I'm going to have to make it like Balrog's tap, then you say, well, then let's go on the other end and make it less powerful. But you can nerf on both ends. And in Street Fighter V, when you want the fireworks, maybe the answer isn't to nerf the fireworks side of it. Maybe the answer is to nerf the build up to it. So it's a little bit harder to get to because I believe that you could even technically you can have uh, G's V-Trigger in the way it exists right now, you could make it so that it was hard enough for, for G to access that, that it would be technically balanced and people would be okay with it existing like it is because the, the balance meme is there. But as it exists now, there are these characters that have these things. So with that in mind, now Akuma can maybe be in that top five for robbery V triggers because we're not just talking about Oki 50-50 situations. We're talking about like, was this trigger something that was earned or or is it something that you feel injustice about like a robbery yeah uh there's so much there <laughs> there's so much yeah there i know unpack. that's what i'm and, saying it's like there's yeah, a lot <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll really quickly um just mention that again in character's overall power you mentioned rashid being farther up the list than both you and i would have put him uh if we did this poll back in you know season one or two or you know before mika got her tweaks to her you know she probably would have been top five right um, but she now she's clear down at, I think she was, uh, I'm looking here real quick. She was 16 overall. So up there, but not super far up the list. Somewhere around the middle, right? Like, mm -hmm. And she has a really good V-trigger, but she's seen so many adjustments. And, and where I'm going with this is you do have to look at the overall character's abilities. Like, It's very hard to compare Balrog's uh, turnaround punch to Akuma's air fireball, for example. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, it's like they do very different things. And you have to look at the, the overall characters. And something I, I spoke with Seth Killian about back in the day, and he's like, the ecosystem of these games is something people don't look at enough, right? Where he's... Um, He's saying, yeah, these characters have this, and if you look at it in a vacuum, it does not go very well, right? And then you get the echo chamber going, like that was uh, Seth's uh, infamous like phrase he used a lot. It's like the echo chamber where you hear so many people complaining about something. They're like, yeah, I agree, I agree. And it's like you start thinking it's an issue when it really may not be that big of an issue. I look at Armika's V-Trigger as one of those things. Like It's very good, but I don't know if her V-Trigger itself is so much the issue as other stuff that she had going on back in mm -hmm. season one. And uh, I look at Akuma's fierce punch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I look at Akuma is the same thing and Rashid is the same thing I think they have other things that make people think their V-Trigger is really strong and I think that's yeah. kind of what we saw here but we should move on here we're, we're getting uh, we're getting pretty sure. close here to the um, the thing but just to wrap up the subject here I want to mention that that Super Street Fighter 5 is in my opinion the perfect time to make these kind of adjustments because um, you know we talked about making you know a one increment improvement on the damage scaling well that happened with Arcade Edition and we're up on a you know potential upgrade to Super Street or a potential upgrade to 
to Street Fighter V that we think is going to be called Super Street Fighter V, right? So it's a perfect time to look at this stuff again. That's the history of, of Street Fighter. Um, and most fighting games, is they, they do these kind of major mechanic changes like when a new version comes in, right? Not season mm-hmm. to season, but in, in, it happens sometimes, but generally it, it, this is the time that it goes at. So um, I personally think that this would heavily impact the game by focusing much more on neutral play instead of free activations. And that is Street Fighter. Like that is one thing about Street Fighter V, even though I love the game, I will never be okay with it. That is that the game does not have enough neutral play. And a big culprit of that is the V-trigger activation. It's like, okay, yeah, you've played neutral all up until this point, but guess what? I've got a free activation and a plus 5,000. And if you do the wrong thing, I'm getting uh, a 300 damage combo. And then I'm getting Oki pressure on top of it to mess you up and to kill you and you know it's a 600 700 damage sequence all in like the span of like five to ten seconds and it was pretty much free and not every character earned it yeah (laughs) not every character is like that and so dialing that back would um, and it's a big reason how come we're focusing on robbery v triggers because both john and i feel they are very large problems right now with the current meta of the game uh and i will say that back in season one they were even worse and people didn't realize how bad they were and, and they, no, they knew they were good. They knew that it was a strong tactic. Everyone was using it. But now it is becoming a highly abused tactic that everyone is just making sure they use all the time. And now Capcom, that's why Capcom has to adjust even further. It's, there was a bunch they, of... They fixed a bunch of stuff yes. from season three to season four. They fixed Abigail. They fixed Minot. They fixed Ibuki. But they also added G. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Yeah. But I, I do think that... And they've, they've done a lot for uh, Yuri and Balrog and Laura. Maybe they... Uh, I'm not Balrog. Balrog is good at this point, but I think Laura and Yurin could use some further tweaks, and then Laura could use some buffs outside of V Trigger. But that's its own conversation. Uh, but they they have made a lot of progress. They're just they also put G in the game. So these games are never finished, and they always can be improved. You know, you can go back and look at Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which some people call you know hey, it's a perfect game. It's not a perfect game. No, there's there's plenty of characters. You look at Cami and Fei Long in that game, and you go, ooh, those characters are not good. Like they have a lot of problems. Uh, T Hawk, like old T Hawk, was a G- joke in the community and then freaking damn die takes uh, street fighter 4 tech with option selects and makes him like i don't know if he was a top tier character but he was definitely a lot better uh so i mean you have to have an eye on what the players are doing with the stuff, which Capcom does. They adjust things, a number of things based on what players are doing with them. They know stuff is strong. Like they knew Vanilla Sagat and Street Fighter 4 was really strong. They didn't realize how dominant that play style would become and like, you know, trade into Ultra and all that. Oh, just devastating stuff that would happen with him. Um, they knew about it, but they didn't realize it was going to be that dominant, right? And the same thing here that I'm getting with V-Triggers is I think Capcom knew a lot of this stuff, but I, when you see that that is just controlling the play style and the meta of the game, that's when you make the adjustment. And you never know how a game is going to be you know, adapted to and, and what people are going to be doing until it's out in the wild, until it's out there for a little while too. Like uh, you know, um, the, the, the dashing in and all that kind of stuff that Nash was doing, yeah, he got nerfed. And, but some of the play styles that were really valid in season one, they got dialed back quite a bit over time with you know, input delay and people getting better. Uh, uh, that Nash is infamous for saying like, yeah, he was a good character in season one, but if Capcom didn't touch him at all, the meta of the game would have caught up with him and he would not be getting away with nearly as much as he got away with initially. So fair. So last, last thing I want to cover here is we have bashed robbery characters up and down. And uh, Dream King is a robbery character specialist. Uh, and I play, he's my main training partner, a very strong player overall. I just want to mention that with robbery characters, they are very often sacrificing the early parts of the matchup 
to get those advantages later on. And, and sometimes even in the case of G or anyone with three uh, three bar V trigger that does not have good defensive options, which is a number of characters, uh, their chances of not even being able to activate that V trigger are there. Uh, I actually just pointed this out to the team where Sako was playing Momochi, uh, Colleen versus Minot, and um, uh, Sako was only able to get out, like he lost four straight rounds. He was only able to get out Minot's V trigger one, one time during that entire period. One time, like, because Momochi was smothering him with Colleen. Colleen is not a smothering character in most people's, like, definitions, but Manat's defense doesn't really enable her to to swing the match in her favor unless an opening presents itself. And Momochi's like, you're not getting that opening. And he never had a chance to do it, right? So robbery characters are a thing, right? Like, they are, they are frustrating, but you also have to look at the other side of the coin where they're giving up oftentimes, like, the first 20 seconds of a match or so or whatever, like where they're at a clear disadvantage, where they are not nearly as good of a character as they are when they have built up all those resources. So yeah, it sucks to get wiped out by a 10 second sequence, right? But you you have to look at the other side of the coin of like, they, they did sacrifice, if they're well balanced, to build up to that point. I feel so bad that they have to play as normal characters for <laughs> I 20 said seconds. I said a disadvantage, yeah. They're, well, maybe, yeah. maybe they're just, a, maybe they have Urien standing heavy punch to, to tide them over <laughs> until it's time for V-Triggerville. Maybe they won't even have to do V-Trigger because they did enough standing heavy punches. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't entirely disagree with what you said. I, I'm like, I'm trying hard to defend my, my, my friend here. You don't like, have you know, to defend that. the robbery. Yeah. I'm going to use the, the graphic that you made of Steven in the robbery thing in the banner of this story because it fits too well. God damn it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but some advice more on robbery because, uh, okay. But I'm sure most people that play robbery characters are great people and they give to charity. Okay, so now we've now we've said something nice about them. Oh God. <laughs> um stopping robbery isn't going to happen entirely. You're not always going to be able to stop it, but you can put a dent in how often it's pulled off on you. Just to round this out, we better move on. Um, but <laughs> you, you need in Street Fighter V in particular to pay heavy attention to when the risk versus reward is not in your favor. That is a big deal. When you know a robbery character is fully stocked with resources and you continue to go in on them and pressure them, your odds of them opening you up at that point, because Street Fighter V is a classic game of commitment, right? If you're committing to offensive options, sooner or later, you're going to present an opportunity to get blown up by them. And and then when they have that opening on you, they're going to kill you. They're going to do, you know, that 700 damage like sequence I was just talking about. So they often want you to attack them. Um, and usually what you want to do is when those resources are built up with a robbery character is back off and make them earn that chance to get in on you. And I play against mm -hmm. G all the time, so I know this quite well. Uh, the moment G is fully stocked, if you're sitting there still rushing him down, because he's a poor defensive character, you want to do that. You, you want to be all over G until the moment he is activated with V-Trigger. And then he's going to standing heavy kick you, or standing medium kick, I'm sorry. It, God, I hate that move. Pisses me off. But he's standing medium kicks into full V-Trigger, into full Oki, and you're dead. You know, and you can't let him do that is basically what it comes down to. So, yeah, we have all these issues with robbery, but that's how you fight it. You make sure that the moment that robbery is is built up, you're backing off. It's the same principle as when someone has ultra built up. Don't continue to be reckless and go in on them. And Street Fighter V is this freaking mental dance of like, yeah, go in on someone and go crazy mm -hmm. until that moment where you can't. And, and, Don't and, kill Phoenix with five bars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that was such an awesome thing to watch people run away back then. Um, okay. But we talk a lot about risk versus reward, and this is one of the examples of what we're talking about. So there it is.
All right, that was a mouthful. So moving on, um, uh, Capcom has announced uh, through Ono at E3, or E3 Evo uh, 2019 that we have a November and December update coming to Street Fighter V. We believe that both of those things are going to be uh, character announcements or major content announcements. Uh, in December, you and I are thinking it's the uh, Super Street Fighter IV, or, um, I almost said Arcade Edition, but Super Street Fighter V upgrade, I should say. I said four. There we go. Messing up all over the place. But anyway, <laughs> um, a new version of Street Fighter V we believe is coming because a new version comes once every uh, 1.8 years by the math that Capcom uh, keeps, right? Mm -hmm. So they actually announced this back in a February update that kind of randomly like came out there and they're like, hey, uh, the DLC for the 2019 Capcom Pro Tour, it's going to you know be disabled basically in the November maintenance update. And we ran a story about this at the time. And we said that, um, like, this is weird. That's kind of weird that they're like, announcing the November update, right? Like Capcom putting like extra emphasis on on these kind of like random words here in a sentence at the very end of the story. And that's like the classic thing, like the announcements Capcom puts out there, like look at the very end of the story and pay special attention to it because you would be shocked how often. Also the first letter of every sentence, you put those together and, and switch them around and yeah. there's always a secret actually, murder she wrote I'm, message. Yeah, I'm getting more into that actually, but. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's funny. It's like ridiculous that I'm, that's where I'm going, but that is actually where I'm going, and there is logic behind it. Um, but where I'm going is, is Capcom often tips their hand either in announcements, leaks, or looking over their history. The combination of these three things, they often tell you what they're working on. And, and so you go, oh, like, this is innocuous. Like, what the hell? Like, this is not something. It's like, no, it's it's we actually give Capcom crap for doing the same things over and over again because there's such creatures that have. It's like, why did you make the same mistake? It's like, well, that's what we do. Like, not that they not that they would own to that, but that's what they do. They make the same stuff happen over and over again. So predicting some of the things that they have to do is actually totally feasible because they're creatures of habit. So anyway, um, so this this back in February, this announcement goes up, uh, and it's in the period of silence that Street Fighter V had that we knocked them for so very hard. And at the very end, they included the footnote about the, the DLC. Ono later confirms it, right? And, and now uh, we speculated that it could be something major. It turns out that was something major. So there we go. Um, so now I've said all this, and I will note that Capcom does change their plans. Like they see stuff in the community, they see stuff on our website and they will alter things. Only one version of Street Fighter V ever. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's they, they do- Here's Arcade things. Edition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, where this is all going is, uh, and I'll, I'll say, I'll share one other quick story because I think it's very relevant here. Uh, ono, it was, I think back in March or whatever, he got a Japanese candy thing and he had a Street Fighter mouse pad and he found like a special part of the candy or whatever. Like if you're extra lucky or you get something like, you know, star on your cap or whatever uh, of uh, if you get this like thing basically. And he dumped out that candy piece onto a Street Fighter mouse pad that landed exactly on E Honda's face. And the entire team stopped everything we were doing, uh, who was on that day, I think it was like four or five staff members or something, and started mm -hmm. analyzing every little bit about what Ono was doing. And I, I kid you not, we did this. We had to find out what the Japanese candy was, what it signified, the um, the sig cultural significance of it. Like, that was not easy stuff to research. And we all dug in, and we had to find out even what candy it was because it was blurry, right? Like, I mean, we spent several <laughs> hours doing this. Uh, we put we had Nick researching the candy because he speaks Japanese. It was like some kind of I, – I, I always thought of it as like the Japanese Wonder Ball. 
but there's some kind of a of a either silver or golden trinket inside and if you got the silver or gold it was supposed to bring you good luck and you can probably send it in for some bonus or coupon or something i don't know but he had gotten a silver one and yeah that was the uh that, that was <laughs> the, it yeah and it, you know so um we put together the story we pieced it all together and and we presented it out there to people and people are like oh what is stupid you know and stuff like that and then ono specifically tweets at us and, and we love ono ono's great right but he literally tweets at us you guys are reading too much into this with a winky face on the end and then a few months later honda is announced at evo 2019 and there we go and, and so people go like why are you reading so much in? why do you piece this stuff together the history of doing this i've been doing this a long time is that this is what fighting game developers do uh, back in the day, you heard rumors about Reptile being hidden in um, in Mortal Kombat. And my friend uh, Dustin, he told me that he's like, oh, he's like, you know, Reptile, like when you when you fight him, like he slows down your fireball, and, but he has the moves of Sub-Zero and Scorpion and all this kind of stuff. Things were spread by word of mouth. Uh, people mm-hmm. think about the internet now and they go, oh yeah, like moves list and combos and all that. Those those did not exist back in the day. You had to go, if you were lucky if the, you had moves list in magazines, you were lucky if they were accurate. Um, you had to go find those type of things. A lot of stuff was was built on word of mouth, um, secrets and hidden characters was a thing up and down. And some people would not share that information with you. If I knew how to do, you know, reuse fireball and I'm playing you in a match and it's, you know, we're playing for quarters, right? That's what we're doing. I'm not necessarily going to tell you how to do all this stuff in the middle of the match. I might tell you afterwards, but this is the empire that fighting games was built on. Like this is our culture. And so the hints and the innuendos and all this kind of stuff that, that, that is here. There's a giant history that supports it. And it's not just Ono, it's Ed Boon, it's Sakurai, it's Harada. All the developers grew up in that era and they all do this kind of stuff. And there it is. Well, that makes me feel better because I wrote a story about an Ono tweet yesterday and I'm getting a lot of boom for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I will say that some stuff is like outright trolling and misleading. Uh, I, I think it was Akuma who appeared at the PlayStation Experience like back in season one of Street Fighter. And Ono flat out said like, we never said it was Akuma. Like if you go back and read his quotes, like he's outright lying. He's not hinting. He's not trying to mislead. He's just outright saying, oh, yeah. Well, they, yeah. they had shown at the North American Red Bull, uh, they had shown just the the back of akuma like after the demon you know so it's got like the glowing kanji on there and we explored the kanji as well it was um because it was like the shin akuma kanji as opposed to the one he had in street fighter 4 but i mean so we saw that we didn't see his face we just heard a little grunt and then you know we saw the end of a demon and it's like okay well that's pretty akuma i guess it could be evil ryu or something and then between then and the playstation experience where akuma was fully revealed ono said Oh, well, we never said that that was Akuma, but it felt like he was just messing with us. Like, oh, I don't know, Santa Claus. I don't know. (laughs) Santa Claus, damn. Um, But yeah, it's, I enjoy this stuff because I love piecing together the breadcrumbs, I should say. And we're all kind of like amateur detectives on event hubs for this stuff. Like this is, this is what we do. And it's, the community actually enjoys it and embraces it. Usually some people hate it. They're like, why don't you just tell us what's going on? Well, that's not the history of fighting games. That's not how fighting games has ever worked. And until someone comes and changes that and they're like, you know, just straight out with everything, that's not how they're going to work. Like all these developers came from that era. They came from that arcade culture, a culture of, I'm not going to tell you how to do a sonic boom or a flash kick i remember my friend mark actually told a poor kid who was playing him he's like how do you throw a fireball and he's like you hit the start button 
And he's like, it's not working. <laughs> he was just kicking his ass. Like that's <laughs> that, that was the culture back in the day, um, and for better or worse. But anyway, so that's <laughs> why we chase this stuff. It's why we talk about it. It's why John worked on that story. It so often is a hint or some idea of what's going to happen in the future. So, Yep. So what I've taken away from it is if Ono uses a winky face, then it's coming. And he used two winky faces in the uh, the story that I did yesterday. Are we going to talk about that? Yeah, we're going to delve into it. it. Let's do it right now. Perfect time. So uh, let's see here. Let me let me. Um, oh no! Uh, brought up a tweet from Xbox from back in like earlier September, over like over a week ago, almost two weeks ago now. the The tweet was the one you might have seen it because it was a pretty big one. It was um, had the pictures of all of the different like major console controllers. So the Nintendo Switch, the uh, Xbox, and the um, PlayStation controller, and then also a keyboard. And so representing PC, and all of them have an X button or key. And it was like, no matter who you are, you know, we, at least we all have the X button. Which actually, Sony PlayStation's like ours is called the cross because Sony can't. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> I'm a vegan. So anyways, uh, but but Ono retweeted that. And on the retweet, like, first of all, this is like 10 days later. So it's kind of questionable. Like, why, why are you bringing this up now? Did you only get around to, uh, to you know, Twittering at this point? No, it's, I mean, but, but the timing's a little odd. Like, why did it come up now? And he says, yeah, it's so nice in regards to the no matter what you call it. One thing that unites us all is the X button. And then he commented again in the actual thread. I love places with this kind of atmosphere. Winky face. There is a winky face on, on both of those. Yeah. And so this is the Street Fighter series series executive producer and you're like well this came up uh, a little I mean, maybe if it came up on the day of i think we would still like go hmm what you talking about ono because it's ono and he does this kind of stuff as you just set up but the question is well maybe we're talking about some future capcom stuff and crossplay and uh, the ability to be able to play you know over the internet with your friends on Xbox when you're on PlayStation, which has kind of been something of an issue here in Street Fighter V because they struck up a deal with Sony and it's been exclusively on the PlayStation 4. Um, and then, of course, also on PC. It's weird to say it like that, but that's kind of how it was billed. Uh, but it's specifically not on the Nintendo consoles and it's specifically not on the uh, the, the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the way it was with Street Fighter 4, you know, and, and such. And, and actually, I think a lot of us preferred the Xbox because it had it was it's better hardware usually Microsoft um, but like so we're a lot of us are really hoping that this crossplay thing kind of kicks in before the next generation of consoles and I think we've talked about that on the podcast before only so far it's like you got Rocket League and you got Fortnite these huge major popular games but will that trickle down to uh, our little corner of, of gaming and in, in the fighting game genre I would sure hope so because that's going to open up more doors, you know, and, and people will have more freedom to choose the console they want. I have a PS4 because of Street Fighter Five. Yep. Turns out that that this, that was the right one this time around. Oh, yeah. I feel like oh, I feel yeah. like people are not very happy with Xbox One, but the Switch is, is is great and it's amazing. It's got its own thing, but Nintendo usually does its own thing. Anyways, um, we're hoping for this to be a thing in the future. And this tweet from Ono, it might be nothing, and I get it. Yes, it might be a big reach, but after that Honda story, that I was like, oh, this might be a big reach, and then he comes out, I'm like, kind of have my chest. Out a little bit after that one so but um you had a lot to say about the potential for crossover play and and how you know wh- why we need it and such yeah 
Yeah, um, Ono is very clearly getting cozy with Xbox, and so is Capcom as a whole. And I mean, you saw like initially before the PlayStation 4 was announced, like Ryu was driving a taxi around, right? Ryu is a very iconic IP. Uh, Sony, of course, or anyone pretty much is going to want him associated with their brand when they're launching a brand. Like Ryu's a big deal. Um, Mm. And so you saw a lot of like on-brand messages from Capcom and their employees saying how great Sony was and how awesome and all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, Street Fighter V. And as we said, Ono's often hinting at things. I think this is kind of the next the next hint of like, hey, yeah, crossplay is a big deal for us. If you look at if you want your game to be an esports title, and we know that Capcom is all in on esports and they're pushing it about as hard as possible, you mm-hmm. want as many people playing that kind of regardless of wherever they're playing as you can get. That's just how it works. It, it just makes business sense to get that out there in front of people. Um, and you know, the reason Street Fighter V is what it is is because Capcom was low on money. Uh, they would have released it on all platforms if they could have, um, but just Sony came in and financed it, basically a large portion of it at least, and you know, made it. Hey, this is only for Sony now. And they're like, yeah, that's it will. You know, that gets it. Made uh capcom even said a few times like this game would not exist except for if sony you know stepped in and there we go Mm. so um anyway uh you know hey that's worked out for sony you and i both bought playstation 4s a lot of other people did for that uh you know big ups to them uh but now it is a new era and i think capcom fully acknowledges this new era and this fits with their business goals and now ono starting to hint at this stuff uh we were just over again exploring why his hints are such a big deal uh ono will tweet like tournament announcements he'll tweet like you know big announcements of you know the, the dlc and all that and then mixed in with all this other stuff like you know you'll see like location travel stuff but then you'll see like kind of random like well that's odd like he's doing a winky face and kind of like insinuating stuff and that's usually where the hints lie and you go back over his history i'm sure there are a few you know loose end dead ends like we just talked about like we never said it was akuma you know all that kind of stuff (laughs) um usually this means something and, and I think what this means, and, and we all have to have like our owner tra- Ono translations going on like at all times, like this is what we do. Uh, I think this is a very big hint at crossplay. It just makes so much sense for Capcom and for other people to do it this way. And, and I'm again, I've I've championed crossplay about as hard as anyone. I am so looking forward to this, and there it is. Me too. Yep. So uh, next up, we had option selects Surface in Mortal Kombat 11. And, Hot dog. Yep. Welcome to the show. <laughs> NRS players, welcome to Option Select. Okay, so I'm actually surprised that this wasn't discovered earlier, like on day two. Uh, but Noble Raptor, cousin of mine, 10 points. He discovered that you can mess with the timings of your inputs in such a way that just the standard kind of string play of Mortal Kombat 11, because every character just has built-in strings of moves that they do, um, and that's just how a lot of the, the neutral game and the combo system works. You can input the timing of your moves in such a way so that your character will do the best option in a moment. Option selects are basically this idea of your the game can only do so many things at once. In fact, it can only do like one thing at once when you're talking about your character on the screen. So if you give the game two commands almost at the same time, then the game chooses the option for you based on mm-hmm. the, the ideal set of circumstances. And option selects, as we're hearing, are hard to explain. And actually, uh, Dream King has a great story. He says, like, because he was explaining option selects on the website, and someone jumped into the comments and was arguing up and down with him and said, it's not an option select unless it has a dragon punch in it. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. what? That doesn't make any... And this guy was adamant about it. Like, And that's how confusing and difficult option selects are to explain. They're hard. But that's the gist of it, yes. 
So here's the, as far as Mortal Kombat 11 goes, the, the way kind of like in footsies and neutral and combos work are built into these strings. So you press, you know, like one, two, three, four, and your character does a string of four moves. And um, a big part of it is seeing if the beginning of your string actually makes contact versus if it's blocked. And then either continuing upon seeing that the hit happened or not continuing if it's blocked. Because if you do the whole thing on block, your character will get punished. Well, you can input the timing of your sequences in such a way that if your character hits, they will continue. And if they are are blocked, they will stop. Things along those lines. You can also do this stop with like command B, grabs. Stop plus usually. So in usually yeah, the, in a good situation, yeah, yeah. an advantage situation because oftentimes these um, long you know uh, strings that characters do in Mortal Kombat they they end at you know negative. So the other person, hey, my turn's done, right? Well, now I'm plus, and if you hit a button or you do something I don't like, you're dead, and it's it's really impacting the game. Uh, from what we've seen so far, again, it's uh, we're going to see how this takes. It takes a while for technology like this to completely um, infiltrate a game. We just talked about V triggers, like how good they were in season one, yet they weren't the most dominant thing that actually you know oftentimes came down to jab anti-airs right for and other things of that nature but there we go yeah so it's heavily affecting a lot of the characters um and so raptor puts this information out and with this kind of a thing it's usually that that either takes off and it requires like a super emergency hot fix to get through or it, we find out like uh, proximity blocking and, mm-hmm. and and option selects from street fighter 4 for example where it looked like this is going to be a game changer and it was just too hard to do and it fell by the wayside and really wasn't anything at all uh, but this one has not really done either. It's kind of remained, and we haven't, as far as I've heard, heard anything from NRS as far as changing it or, or manipulating it. Um, but it, it's still like floating around, and people are figuring out like some really good sequences. Like Sonic Fox said, I think this puts Cassie Cage back up into yep. the top tier, like the top three. And if you're, and that's true, it's like okay, so this is really affecting the game. And you can even do option selects into option selects and, and such. And it's so so the the caution here or the fear here is that it's getting rid of some of the decision making, reactionary thought making process, and it's just letting people dial stuff in further and not even have to care. There is a, a another side of the coin to this. I think it was Ultra David's been talking about it a little bit, saying that, well, he likes option selects. They're, they're, they're actually something that they get rid of like a, a binary situation where like because your character is just going to do the right thing every time. So you don't have to worry about that A or B and choosing the right path. But if you kind of back away from it, it's like, well, another A or B situation arises because now your opponent has to deal with getting into the options like situation or or, you know, like taking their turn at a different time. It depends on the situation. But like it just makes it so that the gameplay evolves and there are other decisions that you have to make. I don't know if I think that I mean, it's like that's true, but am I here to play a whiff punishing sort of reactionary game? Is like if that's why you're sitting down to play a game like Mortal Kombat, if that's what's fun for you, then this is going to hinder your ability to enjoy this game um, in a, some pretty significant ways. So it's interesting. It's changing the meta of Mortal Kombat 11, and I don't know if it's going to go away or not. Yeah, um, I'll go back and just say that Sonic Fox. Uh, I'm going to work on my pronouns here. He's a non- non-binary person, and we, we've had a discussion oh, so behind they. the scenes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work on this, so bear with me uh, if I, I slip up. I'm trying to get it there. But they's opinion about this, if I'm doing that correctly, uh, is, is usually very, very good. 
when it comes to like holding up long term like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles he's like I'm going to win a tournament like with one of these characters people are really underrating him I think he did Michelangelo and he did you know and it's like uh, they's opinion about stuff is not always perfect but usually holds up quite well uh, and I think that I, I personally hate option selects and I hope they all pretty much go die in a fire there are some acceptable ones that are very well known in the community. Uh, maybe people don't know their option selects or maybe they don't like re to refer to them as that, but like buffering normals and neutral and then doing a special. And if it hits, you know, you, you go into your special, your special council or super council or whatever. That's a super common one that most people are okay with. It's been a core of fighting games. That's an option select. That is the game selecting that option for you and only doing it if, you know, that goes through, right? Um, but that's kind of like at the core of fighting games. So totally acceptable and fine. Uh, and I remember that Capcom said with Street Fighter V, they weren't going to go and seek out every single option select and kill it. Like that's not their goal. But if one has a dramatic impact on the gameplay, they want to get rid of it, right? And one of them that actually happened was the uh, the back jump OS in Street Fighter V, where uh, you could uh, key in a tech throw and then you could back jump and you would either block or you would you know tech uh, the throw and uh, or jump backwards basically and that's how you would do that and I think that lasted for about six months before they killed it and I was so happy that was gone because it's just not the way the game in my opinion is meant to be played and if if a tech is out there and it goes on for a long time like crouch checking became a huge 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 part of street fighter 4 and i think people would have been massively upset and rightfully so if capcom at some point got rid of that that is a huge part of that game and and i would be upset like even as much as i hate option selects i just like no you once a certain point goes by you kind of have to keep it in there but overall i really but what about the people that celebrate when they they discover something about a game that isn't initially initially intended like combo oh, yeah, like, oh, this is a cool new thing yes. but i do think it comes to a, a case by case basis exactly. and yeah exactly so um and, and so there, there it is like uh I, I where i fundamentally have like option selects is like i see a huge difference between still requiring thought and proper placement and skill and that's like neutral you know uh neutral i'll call it the neutral buffer os right that's like again you whiff a button in neutral but you do the special and if it goes that's great like you're still having to anticipate the other character doing something proper you're still having to watch your spacing if you're too close you're going to cancel and probably do an unsafe special and kill yourself right there's 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 mm -hmm. still a very clear drawback to it it requires setup and thought not as much like you know um not as much otherwise but it's still there we're crouch teching like it's much harder to blow it up. Like you're just basically using it as a crutch, like constantly without much potential to, you know, to blow it up. Like you had to be a pretty good player to blow up, uh, blow up crouch teching in street fighter forward. Now it wasn't, you know, I'm not saying pretty good, like, you know, tournament like levels. I'm just saying like you needed past an intermediate level of skill to be able to constantly counter, um, crouch techs. And a lot of players actually got very frustrated with them. They're like, I can't open this other player up. His defense is so good with crouch techs and they just quit the game. Right. And I, again, I'm talking about like, you know, I, I've played the game for a couple of weeks or something like that. And this is frustrating me. I'm talking about kind of like that level of intermediate player. Mm. So it's all about that jab, jab, low counter. Uh, <laughs> it, it is so much. So I, I'm really hoping that NRS jumps in here uh, and says, you know what, like this is too much. This is not the way we intended for the game to be. And it's, it's changing the game fundamentally how it should, how we feel it should be played. Because there is a vision these developers have of like how the game should be. Right. And, and if this breaks that it is completely within the right and what they should do to go out there and actively remove it and if they feel like hey if it's a vision of what we're, we're doing and we're fine with the players doing it, it's fine to keep it too like i'm i'm not a huge mortal kombat 11 fan because of the violence i've been into that you know i can't really play it actively or I probably would it's such a great game it comes down to like 
price versus payoff, and I do think that this is not enough price for too big a payoff. Yes, exactly, exactly. I will mention with the removal of option selects, one of the things that did happen here with um, Street Fighter V is that they remove option selects from you know Street Fighter Four, which were a huge part of the game, right? Well, that heavily skewed the game towards offense, at least in part, in my opinion. There are multiple factors here, but it's a classic development overcorrection where you say, hey, you know what? We we hate option selects, right? We don't like what they do. Uh, Capcom was very you know outspoken about that. And, and they were so dominant in the gameplay when they removed that defensive crutch, all of a sudden, all the offense that they had built up to offset that. And I mean, you know, Street Fighter V and Street Fighter Four don't play night and day different. Like, you know, there's there's still somewhat like similar games. Well, all that tech they had built up to counter, you know, crouch techs and whatnot had still existed. And all of a sudden we got this lopsided, crazy offensive game in Street Fighter V. And, and again, that's something I've actually, again, actively campaigned against. Like the game feels like 80, no, 70% offense and like 30% defense. And that's not Street Fighter. Street Fighter is more of a neutral based, like, you know, calculated game. And that's where I take big issue with it. And that is a classic, not just Capcom problem, but a, a problem with all video game developers where they're like, hey, this is a big problem. Let's take care of it. Oh, crap. We just messed up and like overcorrected. And now we're dealing with a whole new set of problems that we never anticipated because we did it. And that's life as a, a game developer. These people work incredible hours. They try so hard. Um, the video game industry is a very passionate and, and just kind of crazy one where how much people work and, and just how dedicated they are to it. So I say all this stuff is like, you know, hey, they should fix it and stuff, but there is a, there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think we always address, and I do want to shout out the, the developers of these games. Um, they do work under pretty intense situations uh, and do a lot of it because they love it. Like, they, they absolutely love what they do, and there it is. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on, uh, we've got our last segment here. Uh, this is actually a follow-up on some of the mailbag questions that we have been seeing from our readers. Uh, and really quickly, uh, we actually just got this as we were recording the uh, the podcast. Uh, Lawquid, who we mentioned, I think, an episode or two ago, uh, we were giving him specifically advice on how to do stuff, and he actually shouted out that um, one of the best things that you guys said was working on uh, only a couple things at one time. And he started working on... Um, like anti-errors or pokes or something like that. And it helped him and he got to gold rank and like, Hey, you know, shouts to him. Uh, that, that is actually what we're here for. And we're trying to bake into every single episode, like some tips for people that are more in the silver bronze ranks. Um, both John and I are a little bit higher up. And so we want to take a couple steps back and, and figure out how to like, um, kind of get everyone leveled up a little bit on the pod. So for this next segment, um, I wanted to talk about how to make V-Trigger work on a fundamental level, because uh, it's absolutely one of the most important things in Street Fighter V. Um, and one of the best ways to start with it is with frame data. And you can actually look this up on the uh, CFN website. It's every character's frame data is up there. And then you want to look for the column that says V-Trigger cancel recovery uh, and look for what the look for like what your best activation button is on uh, hit or with block. And you're looking for attacks in the high single digits or in the double digit range for, for hit or block on V-Trigger activation. If they're not there, like you're getting like a plus three, you're probably activating with the wrong button, right? Like you want like a plus 15 or something like that. Like I think that's that's really what you're looking for. It's like, and if you're not doing that, like why are you not doing that basically? I have an article in the in the works right now where I talk about how I'd like to get rid of all that. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I were to nerf V-Triggers, this is how I'd change yeah. it. So, but go ahead, yeah. tell them how to do yeah, it. I mean, Raise if you're not more doing people it, like, do it. This is why we want it nerfed. It's really dominant. And it's very important yeah. that you understand this at the lower ranks that like this is a huge part of your offense and your core part with pretty much every character in the game. If you play Vega, like 
these don't apply to you. Like we probably have to have like 15 different podcasts on how to play Vega and how to get good with them. And even then we probably need another 20 on top of that to actually get to that point. Cause, <laughs> but anyway, um, so any move that, you know, has a strong hitbox is likely going to be good there as well. Uh, that's something you're looking for. Uh, Manat stand, uh, medium punch has a great hitbox on it. Uh, Nikali stand heavy kick has a great hitbox on it. Um, all those are typically moves you see the pros and other players activate when they're going to go right into V trigger, right? So mm -hmm. you take that into you take that knowledge into training mode. Uh, you hit the button, you cancel the V trigger, and then you just go to town. Um, you want to study from that point, like other pro players, uh, other things for basic mix-ups and combos and all that kind of stuff. But the training mode at that point is your huge friend. You don't need to spend hours and hours in there. You need to spend enough time so that you understand fundamentally what your core combos and mix-ups are right? That is it. And people get kind of intimidated by training mode. And yeah, it's there's 50 different options in there. And people think you need to spend five hours in there or whatever. No, you don't like you. That was Street Fighter four. And that was spending time on combos in Street Fighter five. Training mode has for for myself and for a couple of my friends here that that spend a lot of time in training. It's like 10 minute stints where you're practicing yes. one thing, you're setting the dummy to do something, you're practicing it, you get it and then you go and kind of apply it. But it's like little things for 10 minutes and then that's it yeah. usually. Yeah. And, and usually you're just setting to um, the computer to just block after the first hit. Like, um, and that's, you know, so your combo, like you see when stuff combos or not, like that's a very basic setup. And then, you know, set all your stuff to infinite. It's fine. You know, uh, like your, your health and your, uh, your meters and all that kind of stuff, set them to infinite. Like the default settings are going to get you a long way is, is where I'm going mm -hmm. at. Uh, and so again, um, just look for your core combos and stuff at this point. Um, if your V trigger setups aren't mostly brain dead, you're doing it wrong. So uh, again, this is where <laughs> I go with John. Like we we're just talking about it. Our big complaint is Street Fighter five V triggers are too it's too damn OP on activation. So if you do not have a character that is just abusing the other opponent, like when they activate, you're doing it wrong. And and that's what you need to be looking for. And so, yeah, there's some exceptions there. Like, you know, Rashid, maybe he's not as robbery as everyone else, but he is still a very strong character when he pops V-Trigger, right? He still has a lot going for him. And it doesn't mean you win every time. It just means that you should be putting yourself in a very advantageous situation whenever you pop V-Trigger, pretty much like some some exceptions but pretty much there so yeah. if you're having to work super hard or do a tremendous amount of reads to make your v trigger work you're doing something wrong like and and it, this is kind of like where I, I see a lot of like bronze level players and other stuff like that get stuck on or silver or whatever they're like they'll activate and they'll just kind of like not know what to do and, and just knowing how to do this stuff will get you a very long ways because even someone like a Bonchan or a Tokido um, it's one of their main complaints about the game is that that someone will pop V trigger and put them in a 50 50 mix up and, and they like oh you know like they're 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 stuck in a very rough spot that like, I don't care how good you are, you're still holding a 50-50 at the end of the day. Like, like if you're a pro, you're trying to avoid that scenario at all costs, and that's what I was speaking about earlier. Um, but as a, a new player, you should know fundamentally how to do that, and it, it does take a little bit of time. You know, that's an hour or two of training mode, probably collectively to get your skill at using V-Triggers to a high level. It doesn't have to be all in one shot, but like collectively for a week or so, you practice your V-Trigger mix-ups for a good while. And usually the answer is you sweep into V-Trigger because that's great. Yeah, yeah, that works. I mean, that could work too. Uh, there are a lot of options on there. So once again, I'll mention studying footage of pro players. Uh, it's really a terrific idea to get one or two things from them, especially with their V-Trigger usage, and then go from there. Again, don't try to master Tokido's neutral uh, or, you know, Punk's hit confirms and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's going to give you 50 things to look at. And you're just going, ah! Like, look at some of their core setups that they do over and over again with V-Trigger and 
go from there. And, and that's basically it. Just a very short segment there that, that proper V-trigger usage will take you a super long way uh, if you're at the low, low, low ranks of Street Fighter V. And once you get that down, like, ah, uh, you could argue it's like more important than anti-airs and it's more important than most other things in the game. And that's where we take issue with it. But, <laughs> but, but there it is. Yeah, and then there was one other mailbag that I wanted to get to. I got a submission over PlayStation messages, which I rarely check, but every once in a while I'll check PlayStation messages, and <laughs> usually it's just salty people that are mad about a Street Fighter match from like six months ago. So with those people, I'll respond, uh, you know, six months later and be like, "Oh man, yeah, GG, sorry, Nikali V Trigger, what, what are you gonna do?" Um, and then they'll be like, "That was six months ago." And I'm like, "And you're still mad? It's crazy." But Zandir Cruz, I hope I'm saying that right, sent a message to say, "Thanks for the podcast. I've been." Listening listening to it and and thank you for listening man this is very refreshing to hear that instead of people mad and sharing salt online and zandir asks i'd like to i'd like to hear a discussion on zoners and character loyalists despite top eight tournament representation um, he's a sim main and uh, goes into some more specifics about sim. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's the grind, man. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't speak too much to the character, but I can say there's a plenty to to observe because you've seen Dalsim players get pretty damn far. Yep. Uh, Filipino champ made top eight at Evo, and uh, and and not recently as much. I mean, uh, as far as Dalsim players in general, I know you got like Commander Jesse at Wednesday Night Fights, be a real good player to watch and 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 focus on and maybe get your Dalsim specific tech from them. But as far as being a top or being a character loyalist, uh, despite top eight representation, well, hey man, that was me uh, last game in Street Fighter 4 because uh, very few people played Goken and... Um, and I guess like there were a few like infiltration would bring him out in top eights sometimes he did like a handful of times mm-hmm. over like a six month period or so but he wasn't playing the character normally you just use it for certain matches and such and uh, but, but like for me it wasn't I never saw Goken as a character that couldn't do it and I think that that's a really important thing to do um, it depends like I, I assume you're you're wanting to go far in the competitive realm if your barometer is you know that this character isn't making a lot of top eights or winning tournaments and such uh, so if you're if you're i mean if you're out to just win and that's your only thing just pick a top tier because because it's not about having fun it's about winning more so right but if it's about having fun and you want to use a specific character and they're not regarded as good make them good man yeah. <laughs> you know um and and one of the things I like to focus on is if there is, even if your character is not one of the stronger ones, right? And you go, okay, well, am I the best with my character? Or is there someone else that's doing better than I am? Is there like, like I look and I go like, okay, well, you know, Phenom's out there getting top eights with Nikali. So even if he's not like regarded as a very strong character, I know that it's possible to get into a top eight at like CEO with them. And I'm not doing that yet. So you know what? I have personal areas to grow in. And if that's the case, then I like to uh, just use that as my barometer and and try to grow in that way. But um, as far as, you know, like, I guess being demoralized because your character isn't winning, reevaluate why it is you're playing. If you're playing to win in Street Fighter V, especially, it feels like there are certain characters that just, you know, they can steal rounds away. They can they can get some matches, but they're not going to get into a top eight. I mean, play play a stronger character but if you're just doing it to have fun focus on leveling your character up to as good as it can be because even if it can't be the best when when you're playing with every perfect player ever which don't even exist you can be better than where you are you can grow and you can beat people that you're not beating now 
So focus on that as your as your grind and as your goal to get you know towards. It doesn't have to be that you're going to get it in top eight, but make your character better and and surprise some people with crazy dalsim tech that like no one's ready for stuff along those lines. And if you align yourself like that, I think that you'll have a better time. I'm going to go a little bit of a, a different direction with answering uh, his question and just mention uh, Kevin Durant is a uh, NBA basketball player. He signed up to to play with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he won a championship, I think, a couple with him, and he talked about after he won that championship that he was shocked at how unfulfilled he felt doing it. And when I hear people talk about, you know, being at the peak of performance and other things like that, like, you know, when you win it, it's great. But then a week later, two weeks later, you're facing the same problems you were before, you know, and so often life is about the journey, not necessarily the result. And if you are struggling with, um, with the journey with Dalsim, that, that, that's a whole different thing, right? Like if you're not enjoying what you're doing and other stuff, like that's like, you probably want to make adjustments there. And for most players that are writing us and talking to us, I'm sure their goal is not winning Capcom cup, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not what most people are aiming for. And, and so you want to get to a point where you're enjoying what you're doing. And oftentimes, again, you're getting stuck behind walls. You don't know what the problem is. And so you make that your journey. You make that your journey to find why you're getting hit, why you're hitting these walls and you can't get past them and how to get past them. That cannot be fun, right? Because you're dealing with the unknown. But when you conquer that, um, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward oftentimes. And and so it's, it's difficult, right? But you kind of have to evaluate everything. But if you enjoy a character fundamentally, you're probably doing the right thing by playing them. Like that is, he says in his in his message too. I should point this out. Uh, I don't enjoy anyone else nearly as much. He says he, he, I'm I'm a sim main out of necessity because I don't enjoy anyone else nearly as much. And that character speaks to you for some reason. And there's not you don't have to look very far to find a bunch of character loyalists who have won the biggest stakes in fighting games. Right? That is that is not, uh, uh, Snake Eyes took um, uh, Zangief and Super Street Fighter Two Turbo uh, HQ Remix and won Evo with mm-hmm. him. And that was Shen a, one with Gen. Yeah, uh, it, that is a character that is regarded as one of the worst characters in the entire game was Zangief in that game um, and he won Evo with him and he did it out of nowhere and he just he grinded online and then Snake Eyes became a household name in the fighting game community by doing that uh, for most people that's not their aspiration but again it's possible to do anything it's it's so often again about just when you hit those walls there's oftentimes not guides and people to help you uh, unless you've got really good connections in the fighting game community and it's so you have to take those time to help build those connections find where to research find the things to do uh, I don't think there's a month that goes by for myself personally uh, where I don't find some brand new epiphany in Street Fighter V where I'm like, holy crap, like this was sitting right here in front of my face. I had no idea it was here um, because I've hit walls getting to, um, what is it, uh, Platinum, uh, Diamond, uh, Master Rank, all that kind of stuff. And I'm on really close down to the verge of, of being on a Grandmaster Rank, which I'm thrilled about. Like I've gotten past another wall very recently. And, and that has been, you know, the, a huge rewarding experience for me. Just it's less of the points like, yeah, it's the points I care about it. Right. But getting there, like, like going in and playing really well-known players um, and beating them and going like, holy crap, like I can compete with these guys. Like I can actually beat these guys and, and stay on their level. And like, that's been the the journey that I've wanted. Right. And, and what does it mean? I, you know, beat some pro player in a rank match. It doesn't mean much, like probably in the grand scheme of things to other people. But to me, that's a really awesome thing where I'm like, I see myself getting better. I see the improvement and I see the knowledge growing and I'm like, oh, I can share this with people on the podcast and when people get stuck in ruts, I can help them as well. Uh, and that's 
I, I take a picture of it, print it out, and put it on the fridge. There you go. <laughs> hey, check this out. But and that, so that to me is the answer. I know that's a lot of generalizations on how you do stuff, but like that's for most people. Again, it's not about you know the, the giant victory, right? It's about just getting better and improving. It's uh, most people don't pick up the guitar expecting to be the, the next best guitar player. There's a few that do, but most people are just happy to play a couple songs or win a few matches and stuff. And, and so. Um, when you hit those walls, uh, we do have guides online um, and you can ask us specific questions too. Like, hey, I'm stuck in this rank or whatever and we'll follow up here. We're, we're happy to do it. Uh, we just helped someone get from gold. Uh, I, I think they were in you know, silver into gold now and that's great. You know, And just hit us up here and, and we'll definitely address it. So, Yep. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Uh, once again, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be with you soon.